0: Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 1030 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Three or four things that I need to talk about. Number one, just as soon as we finish here this morning, the chairs all have to go down in preparation for Vacation Bible School this week. The... Um, And in in regard to that, if you have a neighbor or a a friend that doesn't have a church home and they have children, uh, inviting them to vacation Bible school or helping them get the kids here is a really good way to get people started in the church. There are three times in a year where people are sort of amenable to an approach without feeling like you're leaning on them. christmas time for sure easter for sure and at vacation bible school and all of them have that ambience of of welcome that that's kind of a good thing um on the way out when you leave this morning on a table out there if your children aren't registered for vacation bible school you should do that and on the right hand side next to them You'll see there are still um, there are uh, banks there that we're using to raise money, just coins. And we'll ha- when the vacation Bible school is over, we'll put the thing up here where we can dump coins in again. But uh, that center section of our parking lot has to be repaired, and it's going to cost us about eleven thousand five hundred dollars. And since we let people, and then the coins will be used for that. But I think it's kind of interesting that uh, since we. Let that be known. As of today, either promised or in the bank, we already have seven thousand five hundred dollars. I thought that was really the uh, the uh, on the table there where the where the coin banks are. You will have the devotional. These were to start yesterday. Uh, they started the first of June. They're good for three months. I want to encourage you as a family to and don't just take one and do it by yourself as a family set a time when you can sit down with your wife or your husband and the children or just a wife and a husband together uh it's it'll do a lot of things that you probably hadn't thought about if you have just a simple little five to seven minute devotional together uh will strengthen your marriage uh, it will help us because my part of preparing children when they go to college to stay faithful to the Lord because currently we're losing 7 out of 10 and we want to reverse that as quickly as we can. My part is to start getting families to make their home a place where Christ is welcomed and, uh, and that you make a conscious effort to set aside a period of time every day uh, for a family devotional together encourage you to do that now now one of the problems we have is um if you're one of these people that likes to fiddle with uh, apps and so on and so forth on the back of the devotional there's a app access code here that code is incorrect uh and the correct one is in your bulletin so you can open up your bulletin and it'll tell you which one is correct in case you want to get the right app to be able to use that uh Let's see. Now, let's see here on my little idiot sheet. Okay. chairs are good. One other thing. We uh, periodically at churches, (laughs) ours being one of them, receive uh, information from a group in in Columbus called... uh, Citizens for Community Values, and they kind of keep us up on what's going on in the legislature of anything that might affect the church. It seemed like it was Senate Bill 10 or 11 or something, I don't remember. Don't hold my feet to the fire on that. But what that bill, and it's in the legislature in the state of Ohio being debated, if it hadn't already been done, I don't know. And it, but it's the bill that says this, and it's to affect schools, public businesses, churches, everybody that is open to the public, that says that if a, if a man feels like he's a woman, he can use the women's bathroom, and if a woman feels like she's a man, she can use the men's bathroom which and, and, and make it legal. And the thing that shocked me might not you, but it did me, is that there were four different churches that supported that bill. The four churches, and I wrote them down because I think you ought to know. I wasn't surprised that the Episcopal Church did because they've been ordaining homosexual preachers for a long time. United Church of Christ, same thing. I wasn't too surprised. I was surprised that the Methodist Church and the Lutheran Church both were supporting that bill. And um, and it's just a matter of public record. I'm not making any of that up. But I was really disappointed because I have a lot of friends, especially in the Methodist Church, that I know to be sincere believers, and it just it just kind of looks like they've had the rug pulled out from under me. I was talking to one this morning who happens to live close to us. But I think you need to know those that kind of information. Now let's get to get to what I was assigned to do. Luke King was saying that you all should only be here about 30 seconds because all I had to do is get up and say don't kill anybody and we can go home. Because it's the sixth commandment that says if, in, if you were to use just the old King James, uh, it would say thou shalt not kill. Now the reason that we have to talk about that for just a little bit is in the Hebrew that, where it was originally written and then later translated into Greek in about 200 B.C. in the city of Alexandria. In what's called the Septuagint. Which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. That's the, what the Apostle Paul would have used primarily in his preaching. The, uh, the word There are several words for killing. But the word that's used here... Is the is the word for murder, premeditation and forethought, where you don't? It's not an accidental death. It's something that you planned, and the execution was brought to fruition. And so, and in the newer translations, it's found both here in the in the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus, and in the 5th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. In in the sixth, it uh, verse 13. Of, uh, of chapter 20 in the book of Exodus, and I'm looking, quoting now from the NIV, it is correct when it says, uh, "You shall not murder." That's the proper translation. Now, there are reasons why other than just the translation of the word, because you all probably are you're never going to get involved in that much. But in addition to that, Because in the 20th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, the Old Testament goes from talking about the Ten Commandments in the 5th chapter, and then in the 20th chapter, it gives the rules for war. I've never heard of a war where somebody didn't get killed. And uh, if you ever saw the the film Patton, where General Patton starts off by saying with expletives deleted because he was kind of raunchy with his words. He was a good cusser. He, he said, you know, I'm not interested in you dying for your country. I want the other guy to die for his. And, uh, and, and so the whole concept is, uh, involves killing. And when you read carefully that 20th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, he's, he's saying when you go to war defending your nation as Israelites or if when you go and conquer your country and take it over the, the country that God has promised to you, you know, here's the way you're to do it. And uh, we don't have time to go into that, but uh, <clears throat> sometime it might be of value to just talk about what when we'll mention later on a just war. Now, so what does it mean in your outline? If you'll notice, we start off by asking the question that what does it mean when it's uh, to kill, when it talks about killing? Well, number one, we need to say it does not refer to animals. We're talking about people here. Uh, there, we're living in a day and an age, to, through as a result of of the uh, most of our culture in academia accepting the whole, the concept of evolution. Uh, animals are uh, protected, and 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 I was raised on a farm, and I can tell you that that uh, on a farm where we had no mechanized equipment, we only had two horses and cows. We milked about a dozen cows every morning and evening. Uh, Those animals, as well as a couple of dogs, were treated well. I can tell you that the dogs and the cats were never allowed in the house, but if an old sow had a pig that, uh, that was a runt, uh, Daddy would put that thing in a box and bring it in and put it behind the warm morning stove and 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 give it preferential treatment. Animals were treated well, but after they weighed uh, three or four hundred pounds, uh, they were shot right between the eyes and hung on a pole and skinned out. And uh, well, the, uh, the 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 hogs weren't skinned; they were scraped off with a knife, but they. Uh, they, we grew them for the express purpose of killing them for food. We had what was called a smokehouse where we hung bacon and, and ham and shoulder meat, which is really good stuff. And, and we live in a day and age where that's not understood very well. But, and it's so hypocritical. We have people who say, oh, it's horrible to kill these little furry animals and, and put them on a coat. Uh, but you never hear anybody standing up. And defending rats and mice because they're ugly and aggravating and dirty. But it's hypocritical. If they're, if they're an animal, they're an animal. And the, the idea is that we as human beings are really nothing more than well-evolved Animals. And I want to address that this morning because I think it's uh, an important issue for us. And we'll talk about what the difference is in just, in just a little bit here. As you know, murder started really early in the history of humanity. Because no sooner had Adam and Eve sinned and, and, and had, a, had a family, that one of the boys, one of the children, killed another one. Cain murdered Abel. And that was done with forethought. He did it on purpose. He wanted to kill him, and he did it. That's murder. And our, our a lot of the laws that we have today are directly related to some of these Old Testament passages. That's where they really came from. Now, there's a big difference between... Killing somebody accidentally because I came very close to killing my brother. We were, we were. uh, My father taught all three of us boys how to use a gun, and we had uh, an old sixteen or old twenty gauge single shot shotgun, and we had a an old Remington rifle, bolt action, single shot rifle. And for whatever reason, we were learning how to use that rifle and we were setting cans on top of a post and you'd shoot the can off the post. The can either blew or fell off the post and my brother, oldest brother, picked it up to put it back on and, uh, and if my father hadn't lifted the gun up like that, I, pro- I could have easily have killed him. That wasn't done with, with forethought, that's an accident. There are accidents that one person where he can kill the other one and it wasn't done on purpose. My uncle w- uh, was shot by rabbit hunting with a shotgun. He, it didn't kill him, but it, it wasn't a lot of fun for a month or two. Those things happen, and the Bible actually addresses that subject. If you were to look in in your Bible at the 21st chapter of the book of Exodus, and I'm just going to read a couple of verses to save time, but here's what it says starting at verse 12 and, um, and 13. Anyone who strikes a man and kills him shall surely be put to death. However, this is the exception. If he does not do it intentionally, but God lets it happen... He is to flee to a place I will designate. We'll talk about that place he'll flee to in just a moment. But the scripture actually goes into some detail to talk about what happens if you accidentally kill somebody. And, uh, and it's a whole different issue. Because accidents do happen, as I've tried to explain to you. Many years ago, there was a young man in, the, in our county who was driving a car. He'd had something to drink, but there were kids with him, and he had an accident, and a young lady was killed in that car accident. I actually went to the judge, who happened to be a friend. It's important for preachers to get along well with judges. There was a and I, I, just a little side issue. One of our local judges, uh, who happens to be have been a friend since he was a teenager, uh, was running, he was an attorney running for a judgeship. And at that particular time, the coffee house where I live wasn't open yet. And and so to go over our, in sermon preparation, as staff, we get together, go over the sermon and explain it to one another to make sure the scriptures are right and so on and so forth. And then if somebody gets sick, somebody is prepared then to go ahead and fill in. We were down at Kroger at that fancy, expensive coffee place. And, uh, and going over the sermon, and this young man came in to get whatever, and when he came up, I told him, I said, hey, you're a cockeyed Democrat, and Matthew and I are registered Republicans, but we intend to vote for you, but if you tell anybody, we'll cut your tires, <laughs> and he said, I'm going to sacrifice my tires and tell everybody, That's what that was his response, uh, but uh, it's, it's important that, in, that people who have been involved in an accident in the Old Testament, because at that particular time, the, the court system wasn't there. They didn't have any of that. It was a new nation. <coughs> so uh, I went to the judge, a judge. He's, he's dead now. But I went to him, and I said, Hey, this is a good family, and this is a good young man. Who made a mistake as a teenager? I'm willing to take him and be, and for the X amount of time that you would say, and be responsible for caring for him. He doesn't drink, he goes to church, he does da 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 da. da. And the judge said, I'll think about it and I'll let you know. He called me at home and said, Look, there's more than one reason why, and he gave me three, why you uh, pronounce a sentence. That causes people to go to jail. This was a prison offense because it was because of, of the drinking involved, it was a felony. And he said, One of the reasons is, is to send a message to everybody else that this is what happens if you do that. And he said, In this particular instance, I'm going to do that because he's high profile, the family has some money, blah, blah, blah. And I want them to know that there's a penalty associated with, with drinking and driving. I couldn't argue with that. I respected what he said. But he said, "I will do this. I will Then we had something we referred to that we referred to as shock parole. Shock parole there's another term for it now, but shock parole was you send someone to prison maybe for six weeks or maybe two months, so that they'll learn how horrible it is and then they come out and and then they're paroled out for x amount of time and he said I will do that and he did do that uh, and I appreciated it because it was an accident it wasn't certainly wasn't intentional and, and the young man suffered with the that thought for years afterwards knowing that he'd done something wrong so at that israel had a problem what happens to a guy because you see, they, they had a law. The law was <clears throat> that okay let's assume that uh, uh, that I accidentally kill uh, someone in, in, in Williams family. I accidentally kill him. The law was that that family could appoint someone as uh, called the avenger. And that avenger then could come and and take my life unless I could get to a sanctuary city. These were called cities of refuge. And they're mentioned here in the Bible. I'll mention it in just a minute because it's in the 35th chapter of the book of Numbers, just to let you know it because I gave you uh, in, in your outline, I gave that to you because this is probably something you've never heard of because i was talking to patrick and eddie about it uh, uh, and neither of them even though they're soon be bible college graduates were not familiar with it but here in the 35th chapter of the book of numbers it talks about cities of refuge and 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 i'm going to read a passage just a little bit of a lengthy passage and uh, i think five or six verses here in just a second But cities of refuge were strategically located in Israel so that if I had accidentally killed someone in William's family, I could as quickly as possible go to that city of to the closest city of refuge. I would go to the city gates because at that time that was their courthouse. And I would check in with the elders of the city, the leaders of the city, and they would give me protection from the avenger of the family. <clears throat> These cities, there were six of them, and they were strategically located. Uh, Israel, is lo- ha- at the time it was settled, had 12, as you all know, there were 12 tribes of Israel. Some of them were on the east side of the Jordan River, and some were on the west side. And so they put three sanctuary cities on the east side and three on the west side so that people could get to them if it was an accidental death. Now, I didn't just get to go stay there. I was actually tried. Uh, there was a trial to see if I were really guilty. If I were guilty of murder and it wasn't accidental, then they could turn me back over to the avenger and they could take my life. So they this all was given to Israel to help them to understand the difference between an accident and, and, um, and murder. Now, the interesting part of that is, okay, I go to trial and they find that it was an accident. I, I, was, I was repentant and I was sorry, but I'd, I'd killed uh, someone in their family. How long did I have to stay in that refuge, in that city of refuge? Just because I was found innocent, I couldn't go home. I had to stay there until the chief, until the chief priest of Israel died. That could be the next day. It could be 10 years. So it was why they came up with that. I haven't the foggiest idea, but that's the way it worked. So you see, there's a significant difference then between accidental death and murder, and the Bible clearly defines that. And our judicial system was heavily influenced by the Old Testament idea of, here's the way you set up, because when our country was a new country, just as Israel was a new country, they had to set it up from the beginning on. Now then... Here's the way that passage reads. Then the Lord said to Moses, he's the one that wrote it down. Speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into Canaan, select some towns to be your cities of refuge, to which a person who has killed someone accidentally may flee. They will be in places of refuge from the a refuge from the avenger, so that a person accused of murder may not die because he stands trial before the assembly. These six towns you give will be your cities of refuge. Give three on each side of the Jordan, three in Cana as cities of refuge. Six towns will be a place of refuge for Israelites, aliens, and any other people living among them so that anyone who has killed another accidentally can live there. So you can see that that if you accepted the King James translation, thou shalt not kill, and gave it a broad meaning, it was inaccurate. It should have been translated, you shall not murder. And here's what happens in case it's an accidental killing. And that was clearly defined here in Scripture. If you haven't read the the Old Testament, you would probably not even know that that existed. Now then, let's for a little bit, because I have to move on here. I want to make sure that we get the chairs down before you go home. Let's talk about the value of human life and why it's a cut above all other animal life. There are several reasons why I reject the concept of evolution. Evolution assumes some things that we know that aren't true. One, it assumes that evolution always works upward. You know as well as I do that if you've ever had a garden or anything like that, you know that left unattended, it never gets better. It always gets worse. You end up with weeds and whatever, and, and it's a mess, because you can't uh, and, and, and the other thing that always bothered me is evolution also, as it was originally set up and taught for years, was racist, because they said that evolution first took place this is what was taught in a lot of your schools, and maybe still it is in some said that race, that said that evolution began somewhere in Africa and if the concept that evolution always moves upward then the idea is that those who were uh who evolved into human beings initially in africa would be a cut below those who had gone who had evolved up in other places and 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 i always assume that uh, that was a racist statement and and that's just one of the half a dozen reasons so i could take the time if i had the time to tell you why i reject the whole concept of evolution The Bible clearly teaches that man is a created being, created by God himself. And the interesting thing here is that the Bible makes it abundantly clear that the animals that were created were not just a well-evolved animal. We're something more. He makes it abundantly clear that the animals and all the vegetation was put here on earth in order to benefit you and me. So these people who don't want you, you know, and I'll I'll give you some quick advice here. Don't listen to what they tell you about what is a good steak. You need to learn the difference. For whatever reason that I don't understand, there are people who are promoting grass-fed beef. That's goofy. I'm a farmer. I know better. The best beef that you can get with the best flavor that you can get is a grain. Is is they can start for the first couple hundred pounds while they're still sucking their their the, the uh, their mama and and getting milk from their mama. Then they eat some little grass out here or hay or whatever doesn't matter. But you when they get to be about three or four hundred pounds, you want to start or, or, or maybe even five what we call baby beefs. You start feeding them. We usually gave them uh, ground-up crushed corn. The, then, the, the, then the meat becomes a little firmer and has more flavor. And uh, I'm just trying to help you out here just a little bit because uh, you, you city slickers aren't usually up with that kind of good stuff. So I'm trying to help. If you want a good inch-and-a-half steak, and if, and, and if you don't believe I'm telling you the truth, you go buy a milk-fed or a grass-fed steak and then buy me a uh, a, a, a grain fed steak and then you invite me over and we'll trade you know off a little bit and just so you know I'm and we, we have to have some way to test this right and and so that that's what I would suggest that you do or you let me buy it and 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 I'll put it on your credit card whatever works best it's okay but what I'm telling you is the Bible is abundantly clear if you go into the first chapter of the book of Genesis and you read, uh, say, here's, here's, passage, here's verse 26, listen to it. Then God said, let us make man in our image, and I'll talk about that in a minute, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over livestock over all of the earth, and over the creatures that move around the ground. They were put there, and if you go ahead and read it further, he, he says in, in verse a uh, 29 and they'll be yours for food they're there they're there to benefit you because they are different from humans so what is the difference in verse 27 if you go ahead and read it, it says so god created man in his own image in the image of god he created male and and female he created them and that's not very popular in our Uh, in our culture today either. But that's the way it is. That's the way God created us. Now, when he said we were created in the image of God, the theological term, the Imago Dei, you'll see that Latin term used every once in a while. It simply means in in God's image. What did he mean by that? Well, let's understand who God is this quickly. We can't get into a lot of depth, but get this. God is not flesh and blood. The Bible clearly states that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And so for man to to inherit the kingdom of God, he had to be more than just flesh and blood. So God created man and he put and and so what is God? When you, when you go to the New Testament, it clearly says that God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. And so what God did is He made mankind a spiritual being and not just animal. You and I, all human beings, are more than flesh and blood. We were created in the image of God who is spirit, and He gave us spirit. Spirit. And when we die, that spirit doesn't die. We continue to live. And if you know Jesus, that we, we who have been born to the Spirit of God, and, and the Spirit has always been within us, but the Holy Spirit comes within us and, and resurrects what God created at the beginning. We actually experience a resurrection ourselves. Read carefully the sixth chapter of Romans. So man is, is, is a spiritual being. A dog isn't. People ask me, will dogs be in heaven? I don't care. I care about people. My job I was, as a preacher of the gospel is to see that people get to heaven. If somebody takes an old hound dog, more power to them. But I don't know what the old hound dog would do when he gets there. Well, we don't need to get into that. I made my point sufficiently. Now, so life of a human being is of infinite value because he is a spiritual being. He is created for eternity, not just temporary. And if man hadn't sinned in the Garden of Eden, he would have lived forever. But sin fixed that, brought on death, and messed up everything else too. Now, it is clear, it's interesting to me too, and I think that you all need to, and, and I could spend a, a lot of time on that just by going through these scriptures here that, that will firm, affirm what I've been telling you. There's some of the scriptures that are, that are terribly misused in our culture and by a lot, of, a lot of Christian people who mean well, but they don't get it. When you, ha- I suspect everybody here has heard the term at one time or another, an eye for a, and a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. And we assume, it's generally assumed that this was necessary. If I punch your eye out, it would be necessary for the avenger to come and punch my eye out. But what he was really doing here, and we'll read a couple of, uh, of, of quick passages just because you need to know that what he was doing here was not saying this is required. What he's saying is this is all you can get. You, If I punch your eye out, you're not allowed to punch both of mine. The, there, he, what he was doing, he was, he was putting limits on retaliation by the avenger. If I punch your eye out, you're only getting one of mine. You punch mine out, I can only get one of yours. That's the limit. He was actually this is a, 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 he was actually saying you can't go beyond that. And there are passages of Scripture that I've given you here that you probably need to read when you can sit down on your own. Here in the 21st chapter uh, of the book of Exodus, he deals with personal injuries and how they're to be handled. Uh, starting at verse 23, he says, But if there is a serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. And what he was saying here is, if I accidentally hit you and bruise you, you can't take one of my eyeballs. You can only come back equal to what you lost. He was setting limits on retaliation because he knew that there would be retaliation. The same thing is true if you go back to the sixth chapter of of the book of Genesis. Now, what's the difference about human beings other than that they're spiritual? Human beings have creative powers that no animal life has. We can actually sit down and reason things out and prepare for the future. That's one of the things that our current culture doesn't do very well. They don't prepare for the future. They want the government to do it for them, which is goofy. And we'll, I'll mention that in just a minute. Man was told, here's what you're to do. What God created all that is, he said, here's what you're to do. You are to work for a living. Work, folks, is a good thing. It's a good thing. And, 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 and when you have the freedom to work and to earn, you should thank God that you're healthy enough to do it. If you've ever had serious illnesses, you know. So when Adam and Eve were created and put in a magnificent garden setting, they were told, because gardens deteriorate if they're not cared for, it is your responsibility, he said, to take care of that garden. I want you to do that. And I'm actually going to read it for you here because I'm actually promoting the value of work. In fact, in the New Testament, there was one instance where a bunch of really self-righteous people were going out on the hillside and saying, The Lord's going to come today, and I'm going to stand here and wait on the coming of the Lord, and the rest of you people are to work and bringing something to eat. And the apostle Paul said to that bunch of people, "If you Just tell that bunch standing out there, waiting, doing nothing, waiting on Jesus to return, Just tell them, I said, If you don't work, you don't eat. That's in Thessalonians. When you go to Uganda, where Patrick and Eddie grew up, they have no welfare. In that country, if you don't work, you don't eat. And guess what? Those of you who have been there with me know that especially among the women, because the women outnumber the men three to one because of AIDS. And you go there, and you don't see very many women who don't work like coal mine mules. Work is a good thing, because and why are they working Because nobody's going to do it for them. And they have a family to take care of. And so, here in the second chapter, verse 15, uh, of the book of Genesis, here's what he tells them. And the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So I'm going to leave it to that, just simply saying this. The Bible is abundantly clear That work is a good thing. But there's one other thing the New Testament says about work that you don't hear very often. Here's what it says Okay, you can, if you work for a boss, sooner or later you're going to find out that that boss has flaws. We all have flaws. And he says, rather than spending your time and making excuses to goof off because you got a a less than perfect boss, here, as a Christian, here's what you're to do. You're to do your job as though you were working for God. That's the way you're to do your job. And if you do, then the reputation of God is enhanced because they'll know that you're working hard not just to please your boss, but to please your Lord. And your reputation of of, of God is enhanced by that. We have the capacity to prepare for the future, to reason it out. And, and I, I'm telling you, you, and I keep telling these young ones around here, guys, this is the time to start saving for retirement. Too many people wait till they're about 50 years old and say, oh, I'm going to retire one of these days, and they start saving. Because of the influence of my mother, who was kind of a hard old girl at times, Alice Kay and I started saving from the time that we got married. We didn't save much. Sometimes it would be maybe just a dollar or two a month, but there never was a month go by we didn't put something in savings. And today we don't need the government. We have enough saved that we can live. We we we're not going to uh, live how on the hog. Our we buy used cars and that kind of stuff, but that but they get us there and back. And 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 I'm telling you, you can start preparing now and i keep telling andrew put a little bit of money back every month and he's been doing that you can get actually i can show you where you can get anywhere from three to five percent on your money and it's safe and and that's when so a, a human being has the capacity to do that an old hound dog can't do that bessie the heifer can't do that Mankind created in the image of God is a cut above everything else and is of infinite value according to the Word of God, of infinite value. Now then, let's, we've got 15 minutes here before we take down chairs, so let's talk about the issues that we face today that are current and are related to the idea that life is sacred, that God created man in his own image, and that you should never murder it carries with it a death penalty itself the number one thing is abortion listen to me carefully we've talked all the news talks about open borders and all that political nonsense it has its roots in what we did in 1973 when we copied the soviet union the ussr was still there united soviet socialist republics and and we copied their law and we copied England's law which is a socialist country and the Supreme Court which is never to make a law made a law it said that abortion was legal and it was based on something that was not in the Constitution it isn't there I've read it I read it again this week it isn't there it was based on what they said was a woman's right to privacy. If you can see anything in the Constitution about anybody's right to privacy, I'd like to know what it is. I talked to two or three lawyers and they said, now the Supreme Court just made up their mind, this is what we want to do, and it became a law. And the Supreme Court was never to make laws. It was only to interpret the Constitution or to say whether that the legislative branch had, did some, had it, it, the law that they made was constitutional. We got a mess on our hands. And since they made that law, copying socialist, one being a communist country, 60 million babies have died. 60 million. And so the people who have open borders keep saying, if we had open borders, we need them because there are jobs that need to be filled. The job thing is down to three, you know, I don't know, all that stuff that you hear on television all the time that makes me about half sick. If those 60 million babies were here and growing up, we wouldn't have we wouldn't be looking for people to fill jobs. We would have plenty of them. Okay, by now you probably know how I feel about that. So I go on to suicide. Why would I mention suicide? Because we have a serious problem because, now listen to me, because we have been teaching that children are nothing more than evolved animals, and therefore their, their value is no more than that of an animal. And and, and so we have a serious Suicide problem, primarily with teenagers and the elderly. There are a few states who have approved assisted suicide. And that's primarily for the elderly who have serious ailments or just tired of living. How can anybody... (coughs) I've had, through the years, I've had several funerals of people who've committed suicide, both young and old. As I've told you before, I sat in a car in Columbus, Indiana, with a fellow who had found his wife in bed with another man, and and he was going to take his life. I told him, and I was sitting there, and he had a rifle laying across his lap, and I told him I'd appreciate it if he turned the rifle over while we talked, because it was pointed toward me. I'm I'm not a coward, but I still don't like guns looking at me. Now... whenever a human being starts thinking irrationally you and i can't we can't understand what's going on that's the reason we usually palm them off on a shrink and and who has had some training in that area because what happens to so many is this and and too many times it's here's a youngster whose their their emotions are so strong and so on and their sexual drives are so strong and you've got and they have a girlfriend and they've probably been involved sexually and then she finds another fellow leaves him alone he has a broken heart and he thinks that the pain of living of dying cannot be as bad as the pain of living and so he stops living that's the rationale that's used by so many. And for people who have serious illnesses, some of the, some of the terribly painful things that elderly people go through, they, get, they use the same rationale. The pain of dying cannot possibly be as bad as what I'm experiencing now. And so they justify taking their own life based on that. And so the number of suicides that are going, are just, have gone, and I could give you the numbers, but I don't have time for it. It's a, it. But it is a real problem that we're facing. And we're talking about, see, the Catholic Church has actually, a part of their official doctrine says that if you commit suicide, you can't go to heaven. because That's part of their theology, because you, you, you haven't had confession, you haven't had the final right, so on and so forth, that's given by the church, and so you, you, can't, go, you can't go to heaven. Probably the death of, of, of Judas had something to do with that formation, but I'm not certain. Then we're faced with capital punishment. I'm just going to make one comment here of that, something that, that I experienced. I don't know whether you believe in capital punishment or not. I can tell you that the New Testament says that, the, that, that God gives uh, government the right to, 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 for capital punishment if they choose to do it. The actual verse in Romans says that the government, in the 13th chapter of Romans, bears not the sword in vain. That was the Roman short sword that was used for executions. Then the last one is war. As far as I know, the first writer, Christian writer, who addressed the problem of war was Augustine. and He, he came up with a, with a paper that was entitled, <clears throat> A Just War. My uncle served under General Patton in North Africa, my uncle. His name was Wal- I was named after him. His name was Walter Scott, mine's Kenneth Scott. And when I started getting his bar bills when I was fourteen, my father said, This is the way it's gonna be. He's gonna be Walter and you're gonna be Scott. This has got to stop. That's a little humor there if you think about it for a minute. Anyway. And there are those, you know, who And he said that that he was under General Patton in North Africa for 16 months, and then he was strafed by a German machine gun when they landed on Anzio in Italy. And he would only talk about those things when he had been drinking or when he got to be an older man about to die, and he would then talk to me about it. He told me this. He said, I can't think of one good thing about war. It's all bad. He said that, I asked him, did you ever shoot over the heads rather than, he said, if they were running away from me, I wasn't about to shoot them. I would shoot over their heads because, he said, I was captured once in North Africa. They put a fence around us. The British came and and attacked at night. We cut the fence and we ran and they shot over our heads. So I, I wasn't about to kill them either. I didn't have a good reason. And he was a tank gunner. And through the years, it probably killed hundreds of people. War is evil. And I, when I was a kid, and I remember the Second World War. My father was, finally got to be 1A. He was in line to be drafted. He didn't go because the war was over before he was drafted. But there were people around Germantown where I grew up who had money, and when their name came up, they could use money and influence to keep from being drafted. They were held in such contempt that it would not be unusual for their car one morning to wake up, and their car had a yellow stripe going from the hood all the way back to the trunk. But something happened in recent years. Several of my professors at Kentucky Christian, when I was there many years ago, were uh, they simply would not kill. They were conscientious objectors. And if you all haven't seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge, I would encourage you to at least look at it. It has some ordinary language in it and it has some tor- horrible pictures of of people being shot and dying and so on, so young kids probably shouldn't see it. Mel Gibson produced it. But it's it's about a true story. It's a, and I had people in the church in Illinois before coming here who were conscientious objectors, who were truly godly people. My idea has changed a little bit about that. I respect people who are conscientious objectors, especially those who did what... And you would be wise to, to Google the, term, the name Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss. You Google that and, and, and look at his life. He was raised by the Seventh-day Adventists, and he was drafted to serve in the Second World War, but he refused to carry a gun, and he refused to kill anybody, and so they put him in the medical corps. Here's what he did, and it's now a movie that I would encourage you. And to me, these are really heroes. We talk about our soldiers being heroes, and they are. Both of my brothers were professional soldiers. But I respect people who have that kind of religious conviction. They're not cowards. And this guy really proved it. In the Battle of Guam, he received a bronze star with a V, which means exceptional valor. In the Battle of the Philippines, he received a second bronze star with a V for exceptional valor. In Okinawa, where it was really, really bad, and we were losing a lot of troops the Japanese were dug in well and well prepared for the landing there and on an escarpment where there was about a 200 foot drop you had to go up over before you could get to where the Japanese were dug in we lost an awful lot of troops Desmond Doss was was there with those guys and when Everybody else went back, withdrew, and went down the escarpment to get away. He stayed up on the hill and in one night rescued 75 men. And then with hands that were as raw as hamburger, wrapped a a rope around them and let each one of them down, and he would go back and say, just one more, just one more. And he rescued 75 men. To him, you see, life was sacred. If we could ever, as a culture, recover the concept that life is sacred, these little babies would live and we'd never be, and, and young men would see that life is worth living if you love the Lord and have people who love you. Life is important. And we as believers in Jesus Christ, you know. But I, what I didn't finish was this. Desmond Doss, was finally wounded he had seventeen pieces of shrapnel in his leg a bullet hole in his leg he received two or three purple hearts after maybe even four and he was on a gurney and when he and a, and a tank a Japanese tank opened up with artillery and there was some while he was on the gurney and some people were hurt he crawled off of the gurney in order to put some uh, to help some boys that were being shot and seriously wounded when he got back home president truman gave the only medal of honor that's ever been given to a conscientious objector i'm not a conscientious objector but i'm pretty close because the older i get the more i see the value of human life because it was created in the image of God, in the image of God he created you and me, we should be grateful. And we should actually take a stand for the sanctity of life wherever we can find it. Desmond Doss was a hero. We need more heroes who say that life is of supreme value because it's created in the image of God. Well, I'm done. Say amen. All right. If you are a first, let me say this, and then we'll pray and take chairs. If you're here for the first time, if you're a first-time visitor, if you'll stop back at the table on the way out, we've got a really nice little gift for you. We want you to know that we're proud to have you visit with us. We hope you come back and bring a whole bunch of other people with you. And we we want to just say thank you for coming. So, Lord, we ask your blessing upon this group of people who are here. Help us, O God, to understand what you did when you created man and woman in your own image. That we're spiritual beings with the potential for living eternally because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and giving us a second chance. Bless us, we pray as a congregation. Bless this week when the little guys come here and we get to teach them. Help us now to be what you would want us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Grab the chairs and take them down. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.